How's everyone doing this morning? Hanging in there? Good weekend? There we go. One person had a good weekend, and I'm really glad to hear that. Um, well, good morning. Um, I know you've heard it several times, but welcome to Celebration Church with the Church at the Rave. Um, and if you don't know who I am, my name is Jeremy Hall. I've been the youth pastor here for a little over two years. Um, and I'm really excited to get the chance to speak to y'all this morning. Um, if, if the video didn't cue you, what day is it? Six people know that one. That's good. We're getting better. By the end of this, uh, I'll get like 12 people telling me what's going on. But yeah, it's Father's Day. If you haven't done something already, uh, make sure you at least tell your dad, Happy Father's Day. Give him a call or something. Don't just send a Hallmark card. You don't want it anyway, I promise. I mean, for real. Your mom cares a lot about the Hallmark cards. Your dad probably would rather just have a handshake. Um, but good morning. We're glad you're here on this Father's Day. Thank you for all the dads that are here today. Today we want to celebrate you and, of course, any celebration of fathers, any celebration of our fathers, is a celebration of our Heavenly Father, the founder of fatherhood, the person who designed dads. The whole idea of this rearing and raising and leading and guiding comes from our Heavenly Father. And so today, we want to celebrate you, but we also, through all of this, are celebrating Him. And didn't the band sound awesome today? I mean, seriously, they're stepping it up. It's nice to have Rich back up here. So it's, it's been a fun morning already. Also, uh, I don't know if y'all keep track of time the same way that I do, but about six months ago, I would have been on my honeymoon, which means that about six months ago, Celebration Church had its first service in this room. That's pretty dang exciting, too. So sometime in this next week, we'll hit the actual date of the six-month mark, and make sure that you take some time, sometime in this week, to thank your pastors and your leaders and the people who set and break down this whole thing. Every single week, they start getting here at like 6.30 in the morning, and they deserve a thank you. So make sure that gets done sometime in the next week. Um, if this is your first time here, I can't see past the lights. I can see this first row, but I know all of them. But if this is your first Sunday here, we want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here. You'll have, you'll never know how much time and effort has been put into preparing this for you. How much time and how much prayer there has been just for you this morning. And maybe you're, you're a return visitor, and we're just as stoked to have you here this morning. And we hope that you would continue to, to come on this journey with us. And that you would uh, take the time to think and pray and consider making Celebration Church your church family. Because we'd love to have you along for this ride. Um, and since uh, speaking about family, um, I'm going to go ahead and share a little about my family. This is Father's Day. And the first thing I want to do is introduce you to my dad. He's actually here today. He's the big guy up here waving. Um, and I'm going to talk about him for a few minutes. Someone, um, keep a camera on. If he cries and you miss the shot, Caleb, I will personally blame you. I recognize the hair. I see that Hoover swoosh anyway. Um, anyway, I want to talk about the legacy that my father has left me. And this is, when we hear the word legacy, we think about inheritance and we think about money and we think about material and houses and cars and boats. And well, that stuff's important and it's good, but there, there's... And yes, he's, he has paid for my, most of my education. Um, I've always 
been in a good school, and that's always been their actions, and I've always been thankful. Um, and I've grown up in a safe and wonderful home, and I have never really wanted for anything that was important. I mean, there were probably times when I've been told no, and it was better that I got no instead of yes. And I'm thankful for that, too, even though I don't necessarily know where all of them are. Um, but this legacy that I've been handed by my father is much bigger than my education or my home or the way I've been taught to value money or all of this stuff. It's something that will, that will outlive my father and hopefully that will outlive me. You see, my dad has taught me what it means to be a man. He has taught me what it means to be a Christian. And this is the legacy that has been poured into my life. He is deliberately and, and very carefully, or at least it, it seems careful in retrospect. It may have all been an accident. Uh, you never can tell with him. Um, things just fall into place sometimes. Um, but the way I've been raised has led me to, to this place here today, and I'm so thankful for that. In the sixth grade, I was forced to write an essay um, for school. Like they were saying, here is a, I, I think the teacher said it like it was going to be optional, and so I got really excited. But she was like, there is a, an essay writing competition, and you don't have to enter it if you want, don't want to, but you still have to write the paper. <laughs> oh, we're so close. Um, but it was on the topic of why uh, do you love your dad, or something like that. Like, tell us about your father or father figure. And it was a national competition. And um, I, of course, had to. Uh, but I wrote this essay as a sixth grader. And I talked about how hard my dad works, how much time he spends uh, keeping up the house, and how much time he spends away working. His commute takes him an hour away from our home. He works in another state. So he spends all this time in the car. And he's always so busy doing things. And then I also wrote about how there's always time left over for me. I wrote about how I know my father loves me because regardless of all of the, the great work that he does, he still makes time for his kids. I wrote about how lucky me and my sister were to have such a loving family and such a strong and loving father. I wrote about how he is the strongest man I have ever encountered. And I mean, especially... Well, that, I was going to say I was shorter, but I've been this size since the sixth grade. Um, I'm serious. We thought I was going to play uh, pro ball, but then I, I stopped growing and everyone else kept going. Sad, sad story. Um, back to what I was saying. <laughs> um, I talked about how my father was the, the strongest man I've ever encountered, but also how gentle and kind he is. I, I'm serious. That man's a teddy bear. And he has taught me through this, what it means to be strong and still gentle, what it means to be um, someone who speaks the truth but does it in love, this kind of strength that is monitored by grace. And I will always be thankful for that. I love you, Dad. He, he is the most important man in my life, and I will always love him. And this legacy, like I said, is going to outlive him through me, and hopefully through me, through all the contacts I have with others, and eventually maybe even my own children. This legacy will be handed on. But um, that's my story. It may not be all of your stories. Um, looking at statistics from 2008, uh, I found out that 40% of American children today are growing up without a father in their home. That's almost 
half the kids in our country have no father in their house. They do not have their dad. They do not know their dad. He is not there to do these things. And, and even more shocking is, and I looked up Birmingham's too, um, 20% in 2008, countrywide, children who have their fathers will be abused by their fathers at some point in their childhood. In Birmingham in 2008, it may be more or less today, it was more like 23% of children who have their father in their home will be abused. And um, this statistic defined abuse as physical, sexual, mental, and verbal. And this is just, it, it's heartbreaking. But I, I, I'm afraid to say, I'm scared the numbers might be bigger if we factor in spiritual abuse as well. Because as I was taught what it means to be a man and what it means to love and serve God, and, and through watching my father, I learned how to be a husband, and I learned how to be a father. But many people don't have this. They've been spiritually neglected. So many kids grow up without their dad, and those who do... 23% in our city are abused. How much number would that, uh, how much larger would that statistic be if we factored in spiritual abuse? Let's just real talk for a second, guys. And this is right now directed at the men. I promise we'll get to where this affects everybody, but right now, dads, let's just real talk for a second. If you are not raising your kids in a Christian home, and what I mean by this is you are not pastoring your kids. You are not showing them what it means to be a Christian. You're expecting uh, David to do it up here, maybe Donna in the children's ministry, or someone else in the youth ministry, or, or maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a, a nanny, but someone else is the person who's teaching your kids about Christ and what it means to live a Christian life. You are currently guilty of spiritual uh, and neglect. This is serious. If, um, if these words are convicting, there's a reason. I want to challenge you to remedy that situation in your household today. And today I am not speaking as, as really a father. I mean, I have a hamster. Um, I've been married for six months. And if you talk to me um, outside of here and I'm telling you about the youth group, I'll say, yeah, one of my kids was talking to me and, and they are telling me how they're having trouble deciding what college to go to. And so I'll be like, how long have you been married? Uh, I'm like, well, I'm older than I look. Um, it's actually, I grow the beard to go the other way. I try to convince people I'm older than I am. But no, that's not important right now. Um, see, the, the Bible says that fathers are to, that we are, to raise our kids, to bring them up in the ways of the Lord. That's from Proverbs chapter 22. Ephesians chapter 5 says that the same way as Jesus is the head of the church, the father is the head of his household. If you are not raising your wife and your kids, if you are not leading them into spiritual maturity, if you are not showing them what it means to be a Christian, what it means to bring the gospel into the very essence of your life, you are guilty of spiritual neglect. This is sin. You need to repent of it, and you need to fix it with the help of God. Period. That's, that's all there is to it. And so, so many children today are being forsaken physically and spiritually by their fathers and we have a whole generation that is growing up broken and morally and spiritually bankrupt. We, we see religious pluralism 
everywhere. This empty spirituality that justifies someone's own actions that has no real accountability to anything greater. We see uh, moral relativism rampant in our community. It's everywhere. And I, I, I bet our numbers that we were just showing have a lot to do with that. First um, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says, uh, and this is from Paul to the church of Corinth, you have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. First um, Corinthians, the book that this comes out of, the fourth, fourth chapter, is a letter written by Paul to the church at Corinth. Um, the church at Corinth is a church that Paul himself started. This is a church that is valued by him, a church that he loves, and a church that after he got it going, he planted it, he cultivated it. Um, it started rolling on its own. He appointed leaders and he left to go do it again. His job is to travel the world and plant churches, tell people about Jesus. And so once he's planted and he's left, the church uh, sends him a letter asking him questions. If you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, it reads like a laundry list. Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And that's because he's responding directly to questions, which we can retroactively read in. And It's a really cool thing to study that book. Um, but see, once he left this church, lots of other people started coming in, other traveling evangelists, other people who had heard of this Jesus, other people that claimed to be Christians, started coming in and saying, well, you're... You're close, but you need to do it this way, not, not, yeah, there you go, that's better. And then they left, and people kept coming through and giving new laws and new instructions and expanding the message to be a lot more difficult, really. A lot more rules, a lot more regulations. And then everyone in the church started having their own ideas. Everyone started thinking that they had the best way, and no one else did. So people would come up to you, and you get that finger in the face and that little that chest poke thing, like you need to shape up kind of mentality is growing in the church. And Paul recognizes through the letters they're sent to him. And he says, you guys have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. You have all these voices talking to you, telling you what to do. But no one's leading you in how to do it. These are all just words. And I think we find ourselves in a similar situation today, church. Because, I mean, you can, any question you could possibly have about the Bible, Christianity, or spiritual living, uh, you could Google it, and you will literally get tens of thousands of instructions. Thousands of things will come up to be at your disposal. You will get Facebook pages, and blogs, and internet magazines, and magazines, and books, and authors, and YouTube channels, and religious organizations, and individuals, and Twitter accounts, and everyone has something to tell you. But they're all just words, and there's voices coming from all directions, all the time. The radio, the, the televangelists, everywhere we go. I mean, you can drive down Lakeshore every other Saturday, and someone will literally yell what you're doing wrong at you. I tried to talk to him once. He wasn't very interested. Um, we have today 10,000 instructors, at least. I mean, we're probably in the millions now. But there are all these voices. And what Paul is saying is what we need is fathers. Spiritual fathers. This church, like, 
like the American church today has all these people telling them what to do, but no one is coming alongside them to mentor them, to lead them, to show them the way they are to go. How are they supposed to know how to get somewhere if all they've been told is that they're going the wrong way? Fathers do not point people in the right direction. Fathers lead people in the right direction. Then the true father does not just say, hey, you're doing it wrong. You need to go this way. You need to do it right. This is the proper way to do this. No. Real father says, hey, you're screwing up. We identify sin. The role of the father is to, 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 to show when things are wrong. Yes. And so he identifies the problem. He says, this is wrong. This is not how you're supposed to be going. You need to go this way. Now let's do it together. The father shows. The father does not simply tell. The father leads. And this is really, really, really hard to do. And I, I am not talking just to the men anymore. I'm not talking just to our literal fathers. I am talking to all of us here today. All of us Christians have the opportunity to take on this mantle that Paul speaks about, this spiritual father, where we come alongside people and we, we walk with them. Not behind them telling them what to do. Not in front of them pulling them unwillingly. Not through strength or coercion. But through love and through grace and through strength under control, through gentleness and through an understanding and wisdom that only comes through the Father. This is how we become spiritual fathers to each other. And this is a charge given to the church. But it's difficult to do these things because, I mean, we, we really fall short. We, we need help. And luckily, we've been given an example because we're told throughout Scripture that God is Father. One of the roles, one of the names, one of the titles that our God claims is that Father, And we, we see this through Jesus, and one of my favorite places where we see the name. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, we are given uh, the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, When you pray, pray like this. And Jesus starts, Our Father, who art in heaven. Um, I know the old version. Our Father, who is in heaven. So there we go. We have a dad. God is Father, and He's a Heavenly Father, but there's more. The rest of the line continues, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, holy be thy name, set apart be thy name. You see, Jesus says, God is Father, but He's, he's not like your Father. This name is holy, this name is set apart because it is different. God examples the role of Father to us, but he does it in perfection. God is the perfect Father, the perfect example, the one we need to, to follow, the one who we need to desire to be led by. This is the God that we hand ourselves over to, to learn how to be fathers. And like I said, the, the true Father does not simply say what to do. I mean, the first half of this book, let's see where it actually what it looks like for us today. This much of the book is telling what to do. The Old Testament, the, the Torah, and the law has over 600 commands, 600 rules 
The, the book is called the book of the law. It is instruction. It's what to do. It's don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this this way after seven days of a full moon. It's lots of instruction. And it didn't work. If you've read this book, you know. And if you've tried to live a legalistic life, you know it doesn't work. Because they're just words. It's just another voice spoken into our life, and God knows that. This is why, at the perfect time, God entered human history to show us how to live it. God's law is not just words anymore. It became flesh. Uh, John said the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. God becomes material and lives with us. God showed us the way to be. This is the legacy of the Father. That he loves us enough to leave everything it meant to be safe and perfectly in control. He left that perfect place that he had designed for himself. He left what we call heaven and came to this broken, confused, fatherless world be a leader, to come and show us through his own sacrifice what it means to really be human. And as the band comes back up, I want to close this out by, by saying that this thing that we talk about, this, this gospel that we have, is the legacy that has been handed to you by your heavenly Father. You have been adopted into his family as Christians. As a part of the church, you are a part of his family. And I encourage you today not to take on just the, the name Christian or the, the inheritance of the kingdom, but that you would pick up the legacy. The, the legacy of God is the legacy of a father who has loved and poured into you. And this is what God wants to do. Psalm 113 says that uh, 139 says that God has seen all of us, and then Christ He accepts us. In John 3:16 says that God loves us in such a way that He would sacrifice everything to further that love. He would come as far as it takes to get you. Luke chapter 18 verse 16, we see Jesus and. and uh, with the uh, disciples propo- uh, protesting, telling him that he doesn't have time for this, we see Jesus welcoming the children, the ones who don't really know what's going on at all. They don't know who he is. But the parents are telling him, go, go get Jesus just to touch you. And Jesus welcomes the little kids and he affirms them. This God loves you, he accepts you, and he affirms you. In Christ, you have the ability come home to this kind of God to take up the mantle that we call the gospel to live a new life, to be a new kind of person, a new creation completely new way of being human, not living for ourselves but living for others, living for the kingdom, the kingdom that's here and still coming this is what it means for the gospel to take over your life, this is what it means for as it says in First Thessalonians for the gospel to run wild in your life is to be a new creation. The old things are gone. New things have come. And they are all the things of God. This is the legacy. 
wants to give you today. Fathers, God has given you a legacy of fatherhood. It is the weightiest gift is probably ever laid in your life. It is one of the hardest things you will ever have to do to be an actual dad. But you're not expected to do it alone. Because Christ has come to walk alongside you, to lead you, to be your head as you are the head of your household. Christians, church, this is the same thing asked of you today, that we would come along each other as Christ has left what he would probably prefer rather than a cross. Christ left perfection and safety to walk alongside us in the same way that he has come to lead us. He expects us to be there and lead each other as friends and mentors and teachers. That we would not just be one of 10,000 instructors. We wouldn't just be another voice. We wouldn't just be more noise. But that we could be like family to each other. This is the legacy of God for his church today. Let's pray. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, you are holy, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you have given us a picture of Father, and that you have taken on that role, but that you have not fallen short like our dads have. Because even the best father drops the ball from time to time. I mean, all of us screw up. We all fall short. We all miss the mark. But you remain perfect, and you remain affirmational and accepting and loving, and you tell us that there is forgiveness and redemption and restoration. There is a new day, and we can be born again. We thank you that you are exactly who you claim to be. We thank you that you came so far to rescue us as to take all of imperfection on yourself, being perfect, and then losing all of it, giving up perfection for being valued as the total sin of the world, everything evil, everything wrong, everything bad, anyone has ever said, thought, or done, and everything good, people have left undone the things we haven't done that we know we should. All of the things that have been done to us, everything wrong with this world, was put upon you on the cross, and you were separated from the very essence of the Godhead. You were separated from the all of our death with you, that we could truly live and that we could have a new kind of life, a gospel life, a life in John 10.10, you say, is hard, but it's full. It is the best life there could ever be. It is as human as we could possibly get because it's the way we were designed to be. We thank you for our fathers, for our children, and for our church, and for the way you've shown us to love each other. As the band continues to lead us in worship, um, you'll be passing an offering bucket. Um, whatever God lays on your heart today, we will accept it along with your standard tithe. If you have a one project card, we'd also like to see that so we can keep track of it. And if you are a guest this morning, um, we hope that you've got a connection card. I don't know if I actually have that with me this morning. I do not. They're little blue cards. You should have one when you came in. Uh, fill it in. Let us know what's going on. You can dump that in the bucket, too. If you didn't get one and you want to fill one out, they'll be on the table outside.
That's a good morning, church. David's running up behind me. You got anything you want to say, man? Yeah, definitely. All right. Go for it. Well, first off, I want to say thank you. I've Today is my last day here at Celebration Church. I have been with y'all since Helena. I have been here for um, over two years, like 26, 27 months, and it has been absolutely incredible. And I thank each and every one of y'all for welcoming me into your faith family and, and allowing me to be one of the pastors here. And I've been so honored by all of y'all. This is a church that I love, and I love everyone in it. I'm so thankful for everything you've given me because um, just by my being here, by my being in relationship with this church, y'all will always come with me. I may leave, but I'm taking you with me. And I'll, I'm taking the best parts. And all relationships are reciprocal. When I touched you, you touched me. And I hope that as I leave, the best parts of me will stay here with y'all. And we're a part of each other's story now. I think that's pretty cool. Off. Jeremy, we'll use this mic right here. But uh, Jeremy, we just want to say that, again that we love you. And uh, if you didn't know Jeremy's story with us, uh, I, it's been over two and a half years ago. And he was not even a full year out of high school when he came to us. Uh, and we were looking for somebody to lead the youth. And he was looking for an opportunity. And God brought him to us. And uh, he became family. And we've literally, in two and a half years, watched him uh, just basically grow into the man that he is today and uh, the husband that he is today. Uh, got married six months ago. Six months uh, under his belt here. And uh, so uh, we just, uh, we hate to lose him, but we know that uh, he is entering his senior year at Samford. He's got one more year there and uh, then God is going to lead him into greater heights, uh, uh, possibly in ministry or uh, a, a higher degree. And so we're just here for him. We told him um, uh, that we're always here for him and that he's family. We were like, what are you going to do? I mean, we're family. We're, we're your family here in Birmingham. And so he knows that. And uh, Rich, I think, asked him the other day, okay, even if you're not going to be a part of the church, are you still going to come help us set up? <laughs> and he said, David, if you call me and you say you need me to come help set up, I will be there to help you set up. And so really that's, that's a testament to uh, Jeremy on who he is. But we love you, brother, and we pray for you. And uh, let's pray for it now. Uh, we lift Jeremy and Ashley up. Father, we pray for them now uh, that you would bless their marriage, their life, their future children. You would bless Jeremy's legacy now. We thank you, God, for uh, who you are in Jeremy and Ashley's life. We know, Father, that you have led them on a road uh, of ministry that you have placed the people in their path that can lead them, guide them, teach them. We pray for the future people that you will put in their path, future mentors, future leaders, that will help them continue to grow, to continue to learn, and that Jeremy and Ashley would be your servants, Father, your servants here on this earth. Bless them always. We are always there for them. We love you, Lord. We love them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's give Jeremy and Ashley a hand. David's a 
lot taller than me. So I have to do a lot of moving. It's really bad to share a mic with him. I'm just going to be honest. Um, well, thank you so much, all of y'all. I love you. And um, let me pray us out of here. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he be gracious to you and let his face shine upon you and give you peace. Now, leave, go in that peace into this world. God has given you a new life and a new legacy. Live it. Live it proud. Live it strong. Live it gentle. Live it in grace. Always live it in Christ. As you go, offer to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Uplift the weak. God is here. God is alive. God is moving. Eternity begins now, church. Enter the mystery as you abandon yourselves to God. We love you. Have a great week, church.